This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. This is Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, you confess that he's God, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And when Christ asked those blind men in verse 32, verse 32, what will you that I shall do unto you? That was Christ asking them to state their need. What is your need? It was obvious they were blind, but Christ needed for them to say it. And when a lost person comes to Christ, it's just like Christ is saying, what will you that I shall do unto you? And with that lost person, he must state his need, like those blind men pointing to their eyes, a lost person has to point to himself and say, it's me, I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Please save me from my sin. Heal me from my sin. Forgive me from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. Give me the power over my sins. Those three things. Forgive, cleanse, power. And when those blind men were asked by Christ in verse 32, what will you that I shall do unto you? They could not respond with, well, you know, I don't want to say, but you know what the problem is. You know what the problem is. No, that wouldn't fly. That wouldn't fly at all. They had to confess their problem just as every sinner needs to confess his problem of sin to Christ. And then Christ would ask, what do you want me to do about that? What do you want me to do about that? What do you believe that I can and am willing to do about that? That's how faith is born, that's how faith is exercised, and that's how faith is strengthened. And this is what Christ is wanting to do in our lives in Ephesians 3.16, Ephesians 3.16. He would grant unto you that according to the riches of his grace, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that's faith born, exercised, and strengthened. And only after there's this unwavering belief in the power and the the will of Christ, in Mark and Luke, there's an addition here which is very important, Mark and Luke, uh, to this history. Mark 10.52, Mark 10.52, Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith 
hath made thee whole. Luke says it this way, Luke says it this way, Luke 18, 42, Luke 18, 42, Luke. Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. So the question when you read something like that is that, what do you mean thy faith hath made thee whole? What did the Lord Jesus mean when he said thy faith hath saved thee? It was Jesus who made them whole. It was Jesus who made who their blindness. How was it their faith that made them whole? It was Jesus who saved them from blindness. How was it their faith that saved them? Faith has an object. If a person said to have faith, the next question is faith in what? Faith in who? In this case, it's faith in Christ. In other words, Christ said of their faith that it saved them. He was saying that their faith in him saved them. Their faith in him made them whole. It was their confidence in Christ that made them whole. It was their belief into Christ that saved them. And what specific beliefs are we talking about? They had two specific beliefs that made them whole, that saved them. First, the first is that they believed that Christ had the power, had the power to do this. He had the power to cure their blindness. They believed that it was, he was the creator, and Psalm 94, 9, Psalm 94, 9 says about the creator, he that planted the ear, shall he not ear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? They believed that he formed the eye. If they didn't believe that Christ had the power, they wouldn't have asked him to help. So the first essential belief can be just described in one word, power, power. Faith has a confidence that Christ has the power to make whole or save. Not like this, the father of the sick child. The father of the sick child, he didn't have a confidence that Christ had the power. And because he didn't, Christ said to him, you are in a state of unbelief. In Mark 9.20, Mark 9.20, they brought unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But, it, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible of him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, saying, with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. There must be belief in the power of Christ. And Christ probed whether or not those blind men had a belief in his power when he asked them in verse 32, in verse 32, what will ye that I should do unto you? The need was obvious, they were blind, but the question was whether they had a strong confidence that Christ was able to give them sight. And the answer was in verse 33 and verse 33, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. That was a firm statement of faith that Christ had the power to heal and if they didn't have that belief in his power, then they would not have received their sight. It was their faith in the power of Christ that drove them to come to Christ that made them whole from their blindness. And in that sense, it was their faith in the power of Christ that made them whole, that saved them. Without that, without that, there's no saving. So Christ probes those who come to him to see whether they really believe this or not. In, uh, there was another blind man, another blind man in Matthew 9.27 then, that we already looked at. Matthew 9.27, when Jesus departed then, sorry, two blind men, two blind men in, in Matthew 9. 
And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. When he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus saith unto him, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, and he said, According to your faith be it unto you. So when he said that in Matthew 9.29, Matthew 9.29, when he said, according to your faith, be it unto you, he meant to the same degree that you believe that I am able to make your eyes see, to that same degree your eyes will be made to see. If they said something like, well, we only believe you can straighten out a little bit of the vision and we're gonna wear glasses, then they would have wore glasses. So the first essential belief that these blind men had was a strong belief that Christ had the power. No one can be saved from their sins unless they first believe that Christ has the power to save them from their sins. And Christ has the power to forgive sins and to cleanse from sins and to take away sins and to reconcile the sinner to God. But there's got to be that belief there. And then they had to believe that Christ had the will to heal them. I mean, when these blind men started out to cry, they said, have mercy on us. And when they were told to keep quiet by the multitude, it says, keep quiet. The multitude was telling those blind men, you should keep quiet because Christ is on his way to Jerusalem and he does not have the will to be interrupted by you. He does not have the will to heal you. So the multitude are telling those blind men that they should keep quiet because Christ has no interest in healing them. The multitude was telling the blind men, keep quiet because they didn't believe the truth that Christ had the the will. They believed the truth that he had the power, but they they didn't believe he had the will. And so they told him to keep quiet. And when they told him that, they were telling those blind men, Christ has the power to heal you, but he doesn't have the will to heal you. And those blind men did not accept that. They did not accept that from the multitude, and that's why in verse 31, verse 31 it says, they cried the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. When they They stepped up the intensity. They said, no, we believe Christ has both the power and the will to heal us. The leper who came to Christ before, he believed that Christ had the power to heal his leprosy, but he didn't know if he had the will. Luke 5.12, Luke 5.12, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. So what that leper found out, what he found out was that Christ not only had the power, but also had the will, and that's why in Luke 5.13, Luke 5.13, Jesus responded, he put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean, and immediately his leprosy was, was cleansed from him. Calvinists believe that Christ has the power to save everyone from their sins, but Calvinists do not believe that Christ has, has the will Calvinists believe that he only wants to save a select few called the elect, that Christ has some some kind of a secret list with who he's predestined to be saved. They do not believe that Christ wants to save everyone. They don't believe 1 Timothy 2.3, 1 Timothy 2.3 that says, God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. They don't believe 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9 which says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's what makes Calvinism so dangerous because it introduces the doubt, maybe Christ does not want to save that person. Maybe that person is not part of Christ's elect. 
Or maybe Christ does not want to save me. Maybe I'm not part of Christ's elect. These blind men were not Calvinists. They believed that Christ did want to heal them of their blindness, and so they cried out the more fervently when the others were telling them, no, he doesn't want to, see, he doesn't want to heal you. And right after those blind men got their sight, first person they saw was Christ. First person they saw. They could say Job, the words of Job 42.5, Job's 42.5, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And those blind men acted when Christ was in Jericho. He was in Jericho, and they saw their opportunity. He would never come back to Jericho. This was the one and only for them. And those blind men, they acted, they moved. You know, I, I look back on scantibodies, and there's, you know, so many things that were done, and I looked at this, and I thought, oh, I did that. And I look at myself right now, and says, no way I'd do that now. I just don't have the strength. I don't have the, you know, this, this was their one and only that's why it's so important to receive Christ at today. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he saith, I've heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation, I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Those blind men could have sat there and said, well, let me think about that. Maybe he'll come around again. No, there was no other time. He was there, he left, he didn't return. And what they did when they were healed of their blindness and they could see, did they say, when they were healed of their blindness, did they say, I lost a lot of time to make up for. I gotta make up for a lot of time now. I got a lot of places to go. I got a lot of people to see. I got a lot of things to do. I can see now, I gotta go. Were they like the, the, the two blind? Were they like the nine lepers? They just moved on, moved away, never turned back to even to say thanks. Not these blind men, not these two blind men. This is where the last four words of this chapter are so precious. In verse 34, verse 34, they followed him, they followed him. Their only interest from this point on was to be with Christ. They wanted to follow him. Wherever he went, they wanted to be close behind. Just like we find in Revelation 14.4, Revelation 14.4, where it says about those men during the tribulation, these are they which were not defiled with women, they're virgins. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. See, those men in Revelation 14.4 are redeemed from among men. They will live in the time of the tribulation where sin will be rampant, a time when Satan will know that his days are numbered and he goes wild, Satan does, in his last stand. It will be the most difficult time to live for God on earth and there will be those men, and they'll be saved, they'll be redeemed from among men, and those men will be so grateful to Christ for redeeming him, they'll follow him. And after those blind men were healed, and they could see, those blind men joined a kehalat, they joined a congregation, they joined a church that was on the move. It happened to be a, a group that was on the move, following Christ. And we can imagine conversations within that group you know, people would say, hi, I was blind and Christ healed me and now I can see and with my two eyes I have one goal, I wanna use them now to follow Christ. You know, they could sing songs like, take my eyes, this isn't really a verse, but it could say, take my eyes and let me see the path of life you have for me. They could say, fill all my vision, Savior, I pray. Let me see only Jesus today. 
Though through the valley thou leadest me, thy fadeless glory encompasseth me. So they follow Jesus. It's clear that they have, they see the love of Christ that saved them, and they could say things like, Oh, love that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thy ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray, that in thy sunshine's blaze its day may brighter, fairer be. See, they were saying, I give thee back the eyes I owe. By following Christ, they were saying, I yield my flickering eyes to thee. They were saying, my heart restores its borrowed ray. It's just so symbolic when these men were blind and they're just like the man of John 9. There's a whole chapter in the Bible, John chapter 9, that's dedicated to the history of one blind man. It's a marvelous history in John 9. It teaches us so much. There's so much in that chapter, John 9, than just a history of a blind man and what happened to him. In John 9.1, John 9.1, it says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, John 9.1. This man was blind from his birth. He never, he never knew what real sight was. He never saw, just like you and I. We were blind from our birth. We were born into a state of spiritual blindness. We never saw the things of God. We never knew anything about God we were born with blindness to Christ and to God, and, and we lived our lives in a, in a state of spiritual darkness, a light that could be described by the, by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 59.10, Isaiah 59.10, when he says, we grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. So like this man who was born blind in John 9, we groped our way through life in a state of darkness, trying to feel our way through life. We were looking, we were hoping, aspiring, we were wishing for some feeling of fulfillment, some sense of life accomplishment, some satisfaction, some enjoyment, some new discovered pleasure but all the while in darkness because we had no answers to the three basic questions that you see right when you walk into the Museum of Creation, Earth, History, and Santee. Those three questions, they haunted us in our state of darkness. The questions are, where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going after I die? And without Christ, we're described by Ephesians 2.12, Ephesians 2.12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, the strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And in that state, man is plagued with no answers of where he came from, why he's here, and where he's going. And this is what's described in the Bible in Matthew 4.16, Matthew 4.16, the people which sat in darkness, which sat in the region and shadow of death. And like this man in John 9, we were born blind, and we lived in this terrible state of darkness all of our lives until we found Christ. And then one day, one day, the blind men in our chapter, in, in chapter 20, in chapter 20, one day, they meet Jesus. And one day, in John 9, one day in John 9, this blind man meets Jesus and gives him sight. And then, John 9, 10, John 9, 10, therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes open? 
He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. And life was never the same. Life was never the same for those blind men in Matthew 20. Life was never the same for that blind man in John 9. They were healed by Jesus and all they wanna do now, John 9.35, John 9.35, Jesus heard the man had been cast him out and when he found him, he said unto him, dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered, who is he? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him and see the talk with thee. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And the man's sight was restored, and now the most important thing for him to do with his new eyes, the greatest important importance in that man's new life is not his eyes, not his eyes, it's who he's seeing. It's who he's seeing with his eyes. He sees Jesus who made him whole. And all that man wants to do is, who is he? And all that man wants to do is John 9.38. John 9.38, he worshiped him. That man in John 9 that now sees he makes his life a life of knowing who is he and of worshiping Christ. The man sees and then he he can sing a song. My life, my love, I give to thee, thou lamb of God who died for me. Oh, may I ever faithful be, my Savior and my God. I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then my life shall be. I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior and my God. This is what we find with these two blind men that Christ gave sight to. With their new sight came a new vision of Christ who healed them, and with that new vision of Christ came a new life, a new life that's in these last four words of the chapter, verse 34, verse 34. They followed him, and they followed him. And when, they, when the two men that were blind joined the procession, they shared their story. They shared their story with the conversation. Hi, they're saying, hi, I'm here following Christ because I was blind and Christ gave me sight. I'm so grateful to Christ that I'm following him. Why are you here? And the person, oh, hi, I'm here following Christ because I was a leper and Christ made me clean. I'm so grateful to Christ that I'm following him. And another says, I'm here following Christ because I had an issue of blood that was slowly killing me, and Christ made me whole. I'm so grateful to Christ that I'm following him. And on and on the declarations go as those people in that profession tell their personal stories, their their personal histories, what Christ did for them and why they're grateful, and therefore they're following him. And those conversations in that procession of what Christ did for each person and how each person was grateful to Christ and how they were following him are the conversations that's gonna be in heaven. Oh, I was a dirty, rotten sinner. And Christ, he, he forgave me, cleansed me, gave me the power to change. I'm grateful to him. I'm following for eternity. Because those two blind men that were healed, they followed Christ because following Christ was the best way for those blind men to show they were grateful to Christ. And that's what it is, because following Christ is the best way to show gratitude to Christ. And the more a person feels gratitude to Christ, the more that person is going to follow Christ. Because Luke 7, 47, Luke 7, 47, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for healing, Lord, those two blind men. Thank you for the Lord Jesus who stood still when they called. Thank you, Lord, for those blind men who followed through with their gratitude to you and followed you. May it be so with us in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.